0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Matt, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. So welcome back to the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today I'm joined by some of Sydney's leading thought leaders to discuss the ever relevant topic in today's market being how to get the best out of engineers working from home within the Sydney engineering industry. Before we jump into the questions, it'd be great to meet our panelists. I'll start with you, Ben. Can you please introduce yourself and kick things off?
1: Thanks, Matt. Hi, I'm Ben Carter. I'm a head of technology over at Pepper Money. At the moment, I've been here for about four years now I am currently leading the digital servicing space and domain, and I'm also leading the agile practice across all of technology as well. Um, Pepper Money is a lender of mortgages and asset finance in the Australian and New Zealand marketplace, and we have offices
0: in Sydney, Parramatta, and Manila. Thanks, Matt. Awesome. Thanks for that, Ben. Gita, do you want to go next and introduce yourself?
2: Yes, thank you, Matt. I am um, Gita Charan. Uh, head of Technology for Advice at AMP, I've been here for six years, and my people are from Fiji and we live in Sydney. Um, I've been in technology all my working life, um, started uh, as a database developer, moved on to digital development, so I have a very strong uh, engineering background, um, and I've worked in different industries, uh, in education, in logistics, and currently I'm in finance um i have worked and managed worked with and managed teams uh technology teams uh that includes uh the whole gamut of uh, resources that we have in a team uh end to end uh including developers support engineers database developers in- infrastructure people um what i'm passionate about uh, i'm really passionate about delivering and uh looking after people. Awesome.
0: Really appreciate it. Thanks for that, And Eleni, do you want to go next?
3: Yeah, hi. Um, I'm Eleni Kakamonolis. I'm the head of IT, BI and Cyber at Active Super, and I've been there for the last three years. Um, we're an industry super fund, so we're very passionate about, um, you know, making the best retirement outcomes for our members uh in the area that I'm most passionate about at the moment because it's uh keeps me very busy would be cybersecurity. so as that part of the practice I mean our board and directors and everyone is really keen to make sure that uh we're at the top of our game on that one so
0: (laughs) awesome thanks for that and last but not least Matt uh can you please introduce yourself
4: yeah hi Uh, my name's Matt Spencer I'm head of IT for the Bantech group who um Provides very various financial transaction services. Um, I've only been in Australia for just under a year um, uh, from the UK originally, so I've, I've held previ- you know previous head of IT roles, kind of always that sort of IT management um, person in various sectors, ranging from e-commerce to publishing, um, so even recently in the maritime industry. So quite kind of varied. Um, yeah, and I was based in London for the first COVID wave, um, which I think is safe to say was a bit harsher than the, the mm. experience here. Um, I mean, certainly we all thought we were going to die, uh, especially when uh, Boris was in intensive care. Um, you know, so, so and, and no one was leaving their homes at all, and you know, remote working became a you know, was enforced very, very quickly. Um, so, yeah, I kind of had that experience. Um, in terms of what I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about um, building effective technical teams, um, you know, and changing the the view of a of an IT function to be less of a cost center and more of an actual, you know, revenue generating function. You know that you know enables businesses to be agile and quickly, you know, launch, look at new opportunities and launch new products.
0: Um, yeah, so that's me. Perfect. Perfect, thanks for so Matt. Uh, let's now dive uh, straight into our first question, uh, which was brought forward by Ben, which is, do you think the future of workforces will be find the best talent anywhere in the world and work remotely forever? If you could give some maybe some context on that, Ben, uh, and give us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's a, it's a really hot topic uh, within our organisation at the moment, and it's one that we feel uh, originally during deep in COVID, um, we felt it was potentially a real limitation and constraint in that we could only have our current workforce that were originally based in Sydney or Manila uh, as access to the best talent. And we felt that was a real constraint and a challenge we had coming out of COVID and moving to, well, have we still got the best talent and, and are they still the right people and right fit for our business? And then we decided, well, what if we look at a different angle and say well right now remote working has taught us we can actually have teams working from anywhere why not locate the best talent and hire them and have them work for us remotely and let's go big let's go let's choose anyone anywhere in the world that want to work for us and solve the the access requirements and particularly around the security protocols around how they access our systems and information if we can solve for that why not hire anybody from anywhere, and they can now be part of our remote team permanently? And so, it's something we're certainly grappling with at the moment. And I'd love to hear other people's perspectives and thoughts on on their organisation and how they uh, would potentially deal with that
0: uh, opportunity. Yeah, in- interesting. Look, Gita, I'd love to get to get your opinion on, on the on the question.
2: It's a great question, uh, Ben. Uh, yes, I agree. Every industry is actually grappling with that. Um, I look at the context of um, different industries. In some industries actually, you can't do remotely, but where we are able to do that, um, I don't think we will ever go to being fully at work ever in the future. So we will become uh, a digital nomad. We will work remotely. Uh, in, in my experience, when I've tried to get resources in another country recently, um, even though we could get the resources and we could have all the technology tools available, our taxation laws didn't allow it. So that's something to look out for if we're looking at having remote teams in countries that we haven't got agreements and protocols in place to actually have resources. On the other hand, we look at the flexibility that it provides us and the pool of resources and the talent that we get. Uh, I think that barrier would be very easily broken uh, or absorbed for um, to actually get the best talent that teams need. Um, and, And companies will fight for it. It provides companies with the edge that it's a perk for people. They don't have to travel to get into a company anymore. Uh, they don't need visa Visa requirements. Um, companies will offer these kind of opportunities to retain talent. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think remote working in across the world is a passing fair at all. Um, so Ben, um, I think what uh, the question that you are grappling with and uh, trying to solve for, a lot of companies are doing the same.
0: Um, Awesome. Thanks for that, Keena. Good, Good to hear. Uh, I'd like to hear your opinions next. elani what, what are your thoughts uh, on that?
3: I think it's a fantastic concept and I would really welcome having people working from anywhere. But in the superannuation industry, we're taking small little pieces. <laughs> um, people didn't believe prior to the pandemic that you could ever work from home. So it was a real big jump um, to go to to working from home and now we're doing small steps. So I think we, if I can get um, uh, our team to look at people outside of New South Wales, I will be pretty excited. I'm not up to um, going to the world yet, but certainly, and especially because we're a really highly regulated industry as well and um, obviously we have to be careful on uh, sharing of data and information uh, uh, across across the globe. So I'd love to, but I would say now getting people to just work from home is my goal.
0: <laughs> Thanks for that, Laney. And Matt, what are, what are your thoughts?
3: Um, so I think,
4: um, you know, I think it's different for different teams and different companies, obviously, but um, I think technical teams can really benefit from working from home. Like, you know, I've, I've found the, the two companies I've worked for, you know, in in the... Current times, um, I think both have been, you know, arguably more productive because of working from home. Just because you're, you've got everyone's got their computer in front of you in every meeting, so and you can share screen quickly, and, and you know, you can you can have really quite a, quite productive meetings. And um, there's no there's no gaps, which is sometimes a bit of a problem. You know, back to back to back to back, but um, you know, it's a bit fuzzy. The the start and the end day is also a bit fuzzy. So, I'm not necessarily saying it's a good thing, but you know, I think technical teams can actually be more productive. And the problem I think with it is is the onboarding, um, you know, and having onboarded someone fully. Actually, I was in London, onboarded someone in Australia, um, and and having been onboarded, because I've only been at BankTech for just over a couple of months. So, um, having been un- onboarded myself as well, I think that's that's the that's the tricky thing because you there's a lot of stuff you pick up just by from by osmosis, just from hearing you know other conversations in the office, other people talking, you know, what what the team are, are getting up to. Um, so I think that I think you know I, I totally think it's possible and I think you know I think people should look to do it but just be mindful that there it's probably going to be a bit slower to get going
0: you know uh,
4: but yeah. it can be very effective I think.
0: Thanks Matt uh, Ben you, you look, got something to say you want to add in? Yeah so so I guess you know
1: the experiments we've we've run so far is we've had some of our people that were based in Sydney um, move into state uh, you know they requested can can I move into state? Um, you know, based on the COVID experiences, or have some personal, you know, challenges around family access and stuff. And so we've allowed someone to move to Queensland. We've allowed someone to move to Perth and allowed someone to move to Melbourne. And we've said, how does that play out? Them now being permanently remote, so a permanently remote member of the team. And how has that actually played out? Well, some of the things we've learned is firstly, the person moved to Perth has now extended our coverage for our customers by well, about three hours a day. Um, just by that person being in a different time zone. So again, we've actually got an a unintended uh, benefit in that sense. Um, the person who moved to Queensland, um, They have their happiness level at work has gone up dramatically. They now live in a unit right on the beach, uh, which they never could afford in Sydney. And they've said, my level of stress has reduced dramatically, and I'm a much happy part of the team, happy member of the team now. So that experiment's right where on well. Yeah. One of the other challenges we've had is we've had some of our technology platforms, we've found it really difficult to source people from Sydney. Uh, and again, it's a, it's a broader technology challenge at the moment, particularly in Australia with regards to the borders closed. And so we've said, well, if we can't find the right people that are based in Sydney, um, do we start hiring the wrong people or the people that need to be um, taught from, from a you know, very early you know, career development perspective? Or do we go and hire people that are, live in another country? And so that's kind of where we've got to with our experiments and what we're thinking about solving these constraints about finding the right talent uh, where, we, where we need them and where we'd like them. So, so it's a, you know, the jury's out as to how this plays out, but we're certainly, we're exploring the idea of, you know, not limiting ourselves on where we source those people from or where they live.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think look at the end of the day, recruitment at the at the moment in the current market could probably be a full podcast or two on its own, and how to approach it, and and how managers should best kind of get into that. But, but moving on, and thanks everyone for the contribution uh, on that question. Shifting gears a little, uh, and moving towards our next question surrounding the celebration of wins in a working from home environment, which was put forward by Gita. And the question is, how do you appropriately celebrate success after major releases with engineers? And Geeta, I'll get you to start first, potentially elaborate, and give some context to that.
2: Yes. Um, we've delivered major projects in the past two years. Um, some of them like multimillion dollar projects uh, uh, that ran for six, seven, eight months uh, with, with large teams uh, and people sacrificed weekends that I had long hours to actually deliver the project. Um, and gen- and we once the project is delivered, we give recognition. It's in meetings, but it's all virtual. Uh, recognition is given in town hall events, in workplace posts. Um, certificates are sent. All that happens. But I find when I'm involved in a project and my team is there as well, it just doesn't feel like it's enough. Um, so I wanted to hear thoughts from others how they are celebrating successes. If they're doing things different that works better, um, yeah. or what, what have they actually tried? Yeah, Ben, do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt, and thanks, Kira. I think it's a, it's such an important question, particularly in the in the remote worlds that we live in now. And so, you know, you, you can't go and grab everybody and take them all up to the pub and, and, you know, celebrate, you know, for a few hours like that. That's a really challenging component, although changing slightly as we come out of COVID. Um, I think recognition absolutely is a really critical point. I think it's the, it's the different layers of recognition. So it's the it's the recognition of the detailed value they delivered for the customer. So what why, why did they deliver something and what was the value back to your customer? And then really seeing that from the rooftops across your entire organization so your technology team your individual domain teams but the entire organization and, and it really it really requires you know detailed you know perspective on that value created i think people really uh, appreciate the thought going into the detail of recognition you provide i think that certainly works for us we certainly have things like spice awards at pepper so we have you know and that adds up to a major potential award at the end of the year for the, for those people um, we um, we um, have fun retros where we talk about you know um, the recognition of what we achieved and what we could do differently next time to improve even more and what we could learn differently out of the achievement and and how can we actually then replicate that achievement for other teams because then it's a really opportunity to teach and show other people. Uh, so there's some of the things that, that work for us, but but no doubt it's, it's a challenge in in the in the world in the COVID world we live in
0: at the moment. Awesome, thanks, for that Ben. Uh, Elaine, what what are your thoughts?
3: Um, again, I think it's difficult now that we're not all getting together. Uh, what we tend to do to celebrate successes is we have a monthly town hall. So, um, you know, you're able to um, talk about projects or whatever, whatever else is uh, current. But the other thing that we do is our annual rewards, and they've been really good fun. The last one we did have to do virtually. So they did it a little bit like the Academy Awards. So it was really quite funny. um,
0: Just good backgrounds all around.
3: Yeah, it was was funny. And, you know, people like audiences and (laughs) soundtracks. So that made them feel a little bit more special. Um, And then, of course, you know, there's gift cards and there's all little things. But it's not the same having that one-to-one, like, you know, when teams got together and celebrated those wins. So there is, you know there's some things that we are missing out on now because of the way that we work. So I think if we can do things virtually, um, I, I'm forever thanking my team for doing a good job. I don't wait till the end of the project. I'm telling them all the way through. So um, that's really- Yeah, good into awesome. that.
0: Thanks for that lady. And then Matt, I need to get your thoughts on this.
3: Yeah, I was,
4: I was gonna reiterate a bit what Ben said actually about, um, you know, I think it's a real cornerstone of good management is explaining to people why they're doing things, you know, don't ever just tell them to do it, always tell them why they're going to do it. And then, yeah, taking that forward, once you've delivered something and the business is happy with it and it's doing something good, like make sure you, you give that feedback right to your staff to, you know, to, so they actually understand why they did the piece of work and what was good. Um, but yeah, and I think also just making sure you're very public about, you know, the acknowledgement of, of what they've done, you know, so so they, they know that, you know, the the higher up people in the business are, are also knowing what they've achieved. And I guess in terms of an actual tangible thing I've always done is um secret time off. So basically yeah. you just say
1: <laughs> That's Look, <a> good one.
4: <laughs> have you know have Friday afternoon off. Don't tell HR. It's just just between you and me like We'll make sure someone else is covering. So I've always done that. I've
0: got to tell my my director that. I (laughs) I hope he listens to this podcast.
3: (laughs) I hope mine doesn't. I'm taking that one.
0: (laughs) Uh, Ben, have you you got something to add there?
1: Yeah, I was going to pile in on Matt's point there around, I mean, we don't even make it secret time off, so we go... You know, go and take some time in lieu, um, particularly if you've worked weekends and stuff. In fact, if you've worked all weekends, we give you double. Like we'd say, well, you go and take two work days off because that's really important personal time that you sacrificed for the benefit of the organisation. So we really appreciate that, you know, personal time effort. Um, And then the end of year, end of year rewards, of course, that plays into it as well. Right. So if, you know, if you've made a valuable contribution to the organisation over and above, you know, what your normal day job, you know, uh, demands, um, we would absolutely play that into the the end-of-year review and the end-of-year rewards as well.
0: Awesome. Well, great answers, everyone. I really appreciate it. Um, And I think it ties in well with our next question, uh, which was put forward by Eleni, which is, how do you keep your staff motivated and productive working from home? So I'll get you, Eleni, to to kind of kick that off.
3: Um, I thought it was... uh... Important question for teams working from home because we lose sight of the fact that there is that there isn't that daily interaction that we were normally getting with people. So we want to be able to make sure that they're um, working effectively, um, they're feeling supported, uh, they're able to ask us for you know help if they need to. So um, for me, it was really you know how would I put this together, and I sort of framed it in sort of five key areas that I'm sort of interested in um, uh, in answering this question a little bit. And that's, you know, for us, um, it was really important to set really clear objectives and um, expectations up front. And we we found that checking in regularly um, can ensure that, uh, you know, they're completing everything that is required of them. And um, also on the flip side, understanding if they're under a a lot of pressure because before I was able to observe that, and I can't remember if it was you, Matt, that said that we lose that interaction by being in the office. Um, So it was important for us to, you know, to understand that. Um, Another important area was that working from home environment because I have to laugh, when we first went out, you know, people are doing, working on kitchen tables and, you know, uh, phone books piled up. And, of course, um, uh, our our workplace decided that we would all have to take photos um, of our workspace and send them in for evaluation and to make sure that we were meeting the requirements. So (laughs) we had had a few funny ones at the beginning. But as time went on, we really ensured that um, all the team members had all the tools they need. So we've supplied from chairs to obviously computers and things, but monitors. And we also have another set of all of these waiting in the office for them um, as we came out of the first round of pandemic and then went back into the second one. Um, Additionally, I think the key to working from home is, um, and getting the best out of your people is uh, flexibility so um i let my team choose their hours like i don't care what time anyone works anymore i think that nine to five especially in our industry has gone Um, but the important thing is that there we set that expectation that they must be available for team meetings um, bonding exercises anything else that we might have but they need to be available so um uh for me, connection is really important. So, um, again, I, I I do a lot of catch-ups with my team, but I also encourage them to um, ring up other people in the office and have ad hoc meetings with them because I think those random encounters that we had in the workplace, um, we just need to be able to get pr- creative to, to recreate them because um, I felt that, uh, as grow like me, I'm older now, so obviously when I started working, I got to observe my colleagues and I got to watch what other people were doing. Um, I think a lot of people that are young and isolated and working from home, they miss out on those things. And the last point I wanted to make was around mental health. I think that is really, really important. Um, it's paramount to being able to work productively. Uh, I encourage my team to keep keep healthy by at adequate sleep I know some of us don't necessarily sleep enough but um, you know talking to them about that taking breaks working from home uh, there is no commute there is no going out to get to lunch you only have to walk to the fridge so now we've got to sort of change that up and say take a break you know go for a walk take the dog for a walk um, and the other thing is that you know my company has has a uh, provided us with a lot of initiatives like access to the Black Dog Institute. We do a thing called 10-Minute Mind. We do mindfulness sessions. We had one of our executives that every Friday morning we'd have a 30-minute mindfulness session. So, you know, all these sorts of activities to keep us engaged. So really to sum it all up, it's set objectives, create a good work uh, workspace, provide that flexibility, um, and encourage this team to stay connected and take care of their well-being.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Eleni. Not not going to lie, it took me probably a year into COVID to actually get uh, what you call an office chair. So <laughs> it was the best thing I ever did though. So I'm yeah. glad I got that. <laughs> um, moving on, to, uh, Matt, I'll, I'll get your thoughts uh, on, on the question. Yeah. Um, so I think like in, in a sort of practical sense,
4: sense. The biggest change I think I've found is that our, you know, we normally have a stand-up meeting in the morning, uh, you know, which is supposed to be only 10 minutes. You're supposed to really not discuss too much, you know, just say what you did yesterday, what you're going to do today, you know. Um, I think our stand-up meetings, you know, we do have them every single day, normally go on for about an hour and a half now. So, yeah, it's quite, that's quite a big shift. Um, But I think, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad shift. I don't think that's wasted time. You know, I think actually in some ways it's, we're kind of forcing the whole team to, interact every you know every day and and contribute on on all different you know different things um so yeah i don't i I don't i don't want to stop that particularly you know if we end back in the office i think it's that's been quite productive i was just going to mention something we we did at um my previous company was um because i think it's getting quite popular to create these kind of uh water cooler channels in teams where you can just pop in and just have a have a random chat with someone but um the, we took that one step further and actually had almost like speed dating. So that if, you, if you fancied a, if you fancied <laughs> just a, a coffee with someone, then you kind of put your name in the hat, and the uh, you know the office manager would just set you up with these little random dates with people, and you just literally just have fifteen minutes and a cup of coffee with them. Which I, I think is a really good idea. It was a, it was a really high take up. You know, lots of people that were interested. So um, yeah. I think that's a fair. Yeah,
0: that's a good idea. Yeah, it forces people to who somewhat probably I, I think for, even for us like who maybe, maybe wouldn't have even chatted or maybe just secluded themselves and just get, get on with their work to, to probably actively participate and engage and, and speak to other members and their colleagues, which is, yeah, definitely when you're stuck at home, is a good thing. Um, yeah, thanks for that, Matt. Ben, I'll, I'll move on to you next.
1: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, I, I really liked some of the Alana's points around flexibility and connection. I think, you know, they're two things that we've learned as well. I think for, for us it's been a real challenge and it's been a real journey around how to how to effectively uh, keep our teams engaged and motivated um certainly zoom fatigue is real we've learned that that's a real thing um and that, that's something you do need to be uh, appreciate and be aware of um one of our lessons in that was when we first started when we first moved to COVID, we said oh we would really like and appreciate everybody turn the cameras on you know, working remotely, we felt that you know that's the the most effective way to maintain the the face-to-face connection and interaction. Well, actually, what we've learned is um, giving people the option to turn it off um, has has actually helped people feeling less fatigued when it comes to to that you know every single hour, you know every single meeting, having to sort of you know be looking at a screen and interacting with a screen. Um, it's taken the, the stress level down for some people to actually know that they don't necessarily have to be face to face and being that you know um, concerted effort trying to communicate visually through that screen. So so we found so we changed our, our entire thinking around that. One of the other things we did was we created a social contract across technology and we said, hey everybody, what would you like to do as a team and what we all agree to, to help ourselves while we're working remotely? And the things that people voted for, they said, well, we'd like to have no more meetings on Fridays. And we said, OK, let's all agree to that. We said no more meetings at times," And they said um, uh, agreed focus time on uh, one afternoon a week. And the last one was um, agreed focus time on learning and development because that always seems to be the thing that gets left over, you know, after you've done your day job, so to speak. So that was some of the things that we all lined up and agreed to that certainly helped people stay motivated uh, and stay productive. Obviously tools like Teams has been incredibly valuable. Um, I'm not sure of everybody else, but we all live in chats, group chats all day. Um, We cycle through the group chats. Um, Mm -hmm. We barely even go out to the Teams channels. We just stay in the group chats. Um, That's become like, you know, the, the standard way of operating, engaging with people. And to some degree, you know, we recognise now that we've actually become more productive working from home. We go in the office one or two days a week and we find there's a value in that face-to-face interaction, particularly when you go into a room on a whiteboard and work through some, some problems and, and solving um, issues. But as far as being productive, there's there's a very difficult way to replace those cycling through group chats and interacting with 25 people at once, you know, in, in a one-to-one interaction. That's something you can't do in the office. So, so people recognise that, so therefore they've appreciated that, that ability to do that uh, and be with, with their flexible hours working from home as well. So flexibility, um, giving opportunity to be more productive has something they've all, all felt really important. The most important thing out of everything we try and do and underpin is trust. So yeah. we trust our people to manage their own time, manage their own capacity, manage their own learning, manage their, their hours. Uh, managing their personal interactions and requirements they need to do. Um, and we are absolutely double down, triple down on that trust element uh, every single time, no matter what. And that's always our posture. And we found that's really become, uh, you know, paid back in spades by everybody too.
0: Awesome. Thanks, that man some great points. And last, I'll get to move on to Kita.
2: This is such an exciting question. Um, and I agree. I really like your idea about this coffee date, um, Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. And I won't repeat a lot of the things that Elaini and Ben have uh, talked about, really good points. Uh, the stuff you mentioned about video fatigue, it's like being on stage the whole day, like you're performing, because you have, that that's what I felt when I've been on it, and so we, we took a similar option, uh, Ben, where it's optional if people want to be on camera or not. So I'll talk to things that um, that's not a repeat of what others have discussed, uh, so I'll skip through a few of, few of my points. Um, I find when we are in the office, we get these visible cues that are vital to us as human beings, where we read people. How's our manager doing? What's their mood like? How's our colleague? We just pick up on these things that we miss when we when we are working from home and people's cameras are off or if they are on video, you just see them and the background is blurred, so you don't actually get a good picture. Um, I find that it's trying to get people's – how people are doing through indirect observation quite important, to know if they are being stressed and to sort of act upon it afterwards, to just gently check on them later on because generally they wouldn't come and tell you there's a problem, but you can pick it up if you're observing indirectly. And and I watch for signs of distress. And often I found people are distressed and because you've asked, you've gone back and asked, they have actually then opened up and talked about it. And it's made things better for them. Yeah. It's not just your staff. It could be anybody who's in a meeting you've observed. Um, So that's one of the things that, uh we in our team do um and we have a policy at imp where we have to have weekly one-on-ones with our staff and when we were in the office we'd skip it if if we had meetings and stuff because we saw each other um, but now that we were are remote we don't skip them and it's we, we keep that and to give the staff to talk without always having to talk about work. So let them come up with things that they want to talk about um, and give them the time and listen. Um, Apart from the formal stuff that we do at work, what I found really works well with engagement is to have social activities. We'd have monthly virtual drinks um, and uh, first few was pretty awkward because we'd have these silences where people not to speak and then we'll speak on top of each other um, and eventually we found a way to do it where which worked really well is to pick up a subject for example we'd, um one of the subjects that was a hit was uh, pub crawl experiences
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and I'm
0: sure we've all had one. <laughs>
2: and and take somebody else to speak after us. So even the quiet ones got an opportunity to talk about the experience. And it was a blast. Like it felt like we had gone out after being in lockdown for years, even though we were doing it virtually. So we found um, that our engagement surveys improved in teams which were doing a lot of these virtual catch-ups uh, during lockdown and people were happier. It'll come through in our green surveys um, that the social activities helped with the mental health. It helps and en- keep engaged with the team. It helped them learn about other team members, things that they will never learn.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, S- same with us as well. Like, you, you got to probably speak to people. You naturally maybe gravitate towards, you know, you maybe your little group at work that, that now, and you're in a virtual world and environments that you probably start interacting just inadvertently uh, with other members you may not have, which definitely we noticed as well.
2: Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll mention is a point that Ben stressed upon was the trust. Um, we encourage our managers to suspend their disbelief and put trust in their staff that they're doing the work. We have to do that when we are home. We can't see them. We have to yeah. trust them, just like we are being trusted. So that that is quite important to us as well.
0: Awesome. Thanks for that, Geeta. Ben, do you want to jump in? something?
1: Yeah, I was just going to add uh, on that on that social interaction aspect. Um, so we've we've made a part of our uh, daily ritual where our scrum masters in every team actually start the day with a with a fun icebreaker of some kind and a fun game to play. Um, here's one to Google for everybody. It's called the city guessing game. I don't know if you guys have played it. It's a free online game. Um, it Literally, it gets to the point where where teams have to drag themselves off the game to get back to their work. And it's kind of turned into this really fun, engaging way to start the day, um, and and they're addicted to it and they love it. And it's just it's such a fun game. So city guessing game. Uh, Google out it, out. And you can find it. It's very easy to play. It's all free. Uh, and it's really, all you really do is there's a whole video scrolling of like a particular place in a particular city, and you get, there's a countdown clock trying to figure. You've got to try and guess which city that's in, uh, and you you make it make a selection. And then, out of everyone that chooses a selection, it then tells you who got the closest uh, to that yeah. city, and then you, you can see who wins. So, really fun game.
0: We'll have to check it out. And Matt, you jump in. Yeah, you're on mute there. Yeah. Sorry, I was you're just right?
4: going to go back to the, um, um, you know, the, the Zoom fatigue, uh, and I don't know if anyone's seen the the, the what Microsoft are doing with this with the, their metaverse, um, with the yeah. idea that we'll all be, we'll be replaced by. Um, uh, Avatar. Avatars, yeah, which is quite an interesting idea, really, because I guess it's. I think I, I think the idea is that, you, and you can still, you'll still be able to see people's facial react, you know, facial reactions and stuff. But it, uh, I think they're they're finding that people don't get the fatigue, even though they can still have these kind of. Because I'm actually at the moment, I'm I'm very pro camera on. You know, I I'll, I'll never, I always have my camera on every single meeting because I feel that feel meetings are better if people have got their cameras on. They just are. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if we end up all being advertised.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, uh, everyone's answers are awesome. We'll move on to, uh, obviously, get get time's getting away, so we'll move on to the last question. And finally, our last question of the podcast, looking at the question surrounding visibility uh, within a working from home environment, which is put forward by Matt, is how to maintain effective visibility of workloads when everyone is remote. So Matt, I'll get you to maybe elaborate on that and give some context
4: yeah I guess this is this is fairly related to the to the previous question actually um, and I think I think I mean my answer really is just making sure you've got the right systems in place really you know making sure your your ticketing system's good and, and you've got good reporting and if you're using you know kanbans for your project stuff just to to make sure you're regularly looking at it and keeping it all updated. Um, yeah so I was, I was more interested to hear what
0: other people are going to say on this question um, Ben might start start with you next. <laughs>
1: Sure. So, I mean, uh, certainly, again, what underpins our relationship and, and, and appreciation of people's workloads is we trust the teams. We trust our people and trust our teams to manage their own workloads. That's a really important aspect. Um, absolutely ask for help and support, um, but managing your own capacity uh, from an individual and team perspective is absolutely up to our teams. Uh, that's certainly important. Um for the teams to understand where they're travelling with regards to their capacity and their workload, you know they use all the various tools like Jira boards and stuff to ensure they're tracking, you know, what's in this current sprint and how much work has got to go and how, what is our capacity for this sprint and do I need to call out that I'm I can't manage to get all this stuff done by the end of the sprint? Um, we we absolutely you know uh, respect our people to to call it out. Um, so so that's a really important point. Um, as far as us having visibility or the leaders having visibility of the, of the workloads, um, we, we would look in their jury boards if we need to, but it's basically if they call us in and they're looking for support or for some help. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't proactively um, you know, look to see what their workload is. We, w- we would trust them to figure that out. Uh, and, and generally, they, they do. Um, they've become really good at calling out too when they just go, we're, we're not going to meet this commitment we've made, and here's the reasons why, can you help us? And we actually dive straight in to support their workload. In our last engagement survey, uh, the key call out was uh, stress and workload. Uh, and so we've actively worked to address some of those challenges. And our social contract also helps address, you know, people um, taking the responsibility, but also feeling empowered to take the responsibility to manage their workloads and stuff. So so that's been a really key point as well. And people have really grasped that and run with it as well. So it's, um, it's important to
0: them. Perfect, some great points, Ben. Uh, I'll go to Geeta next. What are are your thoughts?
2: Um, I agree with some of the points Ben raised around managing uh, teams with their capacity and stress and burnout. We hear that as well um, in our surveys. I look at how we did it before. Um, Even though we met in person, we still had meeting kickoffs, project meeting kickoffs. We still had uh, deliverables and outcomes and milestones. So we continue to do that. Um, we use Jira and we use Conflu- Jira board and Confluence to actually look at the tickets and what we're delivering. They're the tools that we use. But as long as we are meeting and delivering to our outcomes, we don't micromanage to say, oh, how are you are going today? Have you done it or not? If the meeting milestones, it's fine. We don't stress about it. So the moment project gets ember, or something is going in but trending red. That's when we start getting together and providing support and seeing where the bottleneck is or what the issues are. That's how we manage our our outcomes for for major pro- projects. Production support tickets, risks, um, managing costs all happen seamlessly because there are a team of people that do it regularly. It's projects that sometimes get need a lot more attention because there are complexities that you don't foresee. Um, I find myself uh, thinking about what Ben mentioned, like you don't know what's going on. So you sort of don't know what balls that are falling or, or you're missing. So you have a fear of missing out. FOMO is real because you can't see what every team is, everyone in your team is doing, how your leaders are managing, so, the way I address it is if we are managing the outcomes and we're delivering to when we committed to, it's working.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Akea. That's a great point. Uh, and Elani? Um,
3: I suppose for us, we have huge workloads, uh, but they're very much competing workloads. So, we just don't have enough staff to be on every single project. So, we've spent a lot of time in Um, managing that expectation and also managing priorities. So, you know, it's sort of a little bit of a bargaining tool, tool, uh, you know, to say to the CEO, we can do this or this, (laughs) which one would you like? So we can't do everything because, you know, unless you increase the size of our teams, we have to start thinking of what's going to be the most beneficial obviously for us, for our members, or for our staff that need to support our members. So sometimes a project is um, put to the side because there's something else that's going to be more valuable for the organisation. So it's really prioritising those because we haven't increased the size of our teams. So I think now, um, you know, and again, fully trust my team to, to manage their own workload, I never ask them what time you're going to have this finished. They know if there's a problem, they will come to me. And with those regular check-ins, that's when they get that opportunity to tell me that something is being difficult. And then, of course, if need be, I'll take that further up the line and um, explain to management, you know, how we, how how we can deliver that, or when we can deliver it, or we need more time to deliver. So. Awesome.
0: Thanks, Alaini. Look, trust seems to be obviously a, a big thing here, uh, which hopefully every senior you know, leader had to, had to take into consideration, especially when not getting to see people face to face anymore. So look, really appreciate everyone's thoughts. Um, you know, time is getting away, so I think we'll leave it there for now. Uh, but I want to thank Ben, Geeta, Elania, and Matt for joining me on the podcast and providing such interesting insights uh, surrounding the relevant topic for today's senior managers and how they can most get the most out of their teams working from home. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you the next time on the next instalment of the Evolution Exchange.